Hello, and welcome to The Funny Thing About Yoga, where we talk all things yoga and maybe make you laugh a little bit. I'm Gianna Gambino. And I'm Bradshaw Wish. Enjoy the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, I'm having so much fun. Hello, hello, and welcome back to The Funny Thing About Yoga. I will be joined in just a moment by Bradshaw, of course, and today we have a very special guest. But before I get to that, I want to thank you all for listening, for continuing to support, and for rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the podcast. We've said this probably a million times by now, but It is super helpful for our stats and for showing up in the search and just spreading the word. If you're enjoying the podcast, help share the love, put it on your stories, send it to a friend and so on. Okay, today we're bringing on Nam Shantarwin. Nam is a yoga teacher, a teacher's teacher, if I do say so myself, based in San Diego, California. Both Bradshaw and I met Nam through Jason Crandall. I know we talk about Jason all the time, but Bracha and I did a 300 hour training with Jason and so did Nam. So we're connected through that network. Nam took his program a couple of years before Bracha and myself, but we met through a Zoom box during early days of the pandemic. Jason started doing monthly calls for all of the students who completed his 300-hour program. And to this day, Jason still does that, which is a super helpful way to stay connected to Jason, but to also meet like-minded others who are trained in a similar way as you and so on. And to be honest, some of my closest friends have now come through that program. So Nam is someone that we met through there. We followed up with him on Instagram and we've been seeing what he's been up to ever since. And to be honest, he's doing it all. He teaches for Yoga International. He's teaching a robust public schedule. He leads yoga teacher trainings and retreats around the world. And he is just a wealth of knowledge. The way he teaches, I can say it's very grounded in strength and anatomical detail, of course, mindfulness and mobility and functional range conditioning, FRC, which we will talk about on the podcast. He's just super knowledgeable. You guys will be able to pick that up (laughs) straight from the get-go. So without further ado, let's bring on Bradshaw and Nam. Hey, Nam. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> We're here. Uh, Bradshaw's here too, of course. Hello. And we are so excited to have you here. Thank you for being on the funny thing about yoga. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. Uh, we we already introduced you a little bit, but I would love it if in your own words, you can tell our listeners about yourself, your history with finding yoga and then becoming a yoga teacher. How much time do we have? I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a long <laughs> question to answer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I always tell people that I hated yoga when I first did it. Like, I literally hated it for the first uh, three days I wanted to quit. Um, I, but again, I bought a month 
membership. So I said, I might as well finish it. But what got me to stay was um, the third class. Uh, I'm in this class with a teacher named Amy Freeman. She's awesome. I credit her for where I am today because in that class, um, every thought was like, this sucks. I hate it. I hurt. This sucks. I hate it. I hurt. I'm going to quit tomorrow. I don't care if I, I spent $100 on the monthly membership. I'm going to quit. And then we were doing wheel, which is like, you know, like, I can't even do wheel to this day. I, I hate that pose. But she comes over. <laughs> she's like, don't worry about it. Um, she propped me up. And it still didn't feel comfortable. But she said, don't worry about it. Think of where you're going to be a month from now. Think of where you're going to be a year from now. Where do you want to be? And as soon as she said that, it completely changed my perspective on where, where I am in, in the yoga practice. And it actually encouraged me to keep going, knowing that, hey, things are going to improve, or at least I'm going to change my relationship with the practice over time. Mm-hmm. And that's how I, I really started practicing yoga and, and, and sticking with it. How many um, years ago was that? I will say 15 years ago. Where are you located? Are you still in the same place where you took that class, same location? No, well, I'm, I'm in San Diego. Um, the okay. same, the same location is there, but they changed ownerships. Um, the, the studio changed names and the vibe changed. So I'm not really practicing at this studio anymore. anymore. Okay. Um, but uh, um, she's still in San Diego. She's great. Amy Freeman. Um, <laughs> I try to take her classes as much as I can when I can. But, you know, as a yoga teacher, it's hard to take everybody else's classes. Um, yeah. Especially when you teach a lot. I'm sure like, yeah. I know both of you teach a lot, right? So it's like yeah. the times when you want to take teacher's classes you're teaching so mm-hmm. it's it's hard to, it's hard to do that yeah yeah i'm like can someone teach a vinyasa class at 3 p.m on a thursday <laughs> right yeah there should just be like a teacher's only yoga class at a random time where all teachers can make actually they used to do that at a place that i used to teach at they had like a it was a random time it was like a three and it was like specifically for yoga teachers yeah, be great. i would love to have that i think that'd be yeah. like a great a great idea for a class because it is so hard to take uh, anyone's class. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's like, if you, you're teaching a lot, to be honest, the last thing I want to do is go to a yoga studio when I'm having time yeah. off. Right. Well, that's why I love <laughs> practicing virtually with Jason. I, I mentioned this in the intro, but all three of us trained with Jason Crandall. And so I love that he teaches in Pacific time. And so for us, like, even though that would be the peak time for yoga teachers on the West coast, but for us, it's on the off time. Mm-hmm. And so that works out. I don't have to leave my house. I can log on virtually. I can mm-hmm. be inspired and all of that. But so how long have you been teaching? I've been teaching for 10 years now. Amazing. Yeah. Just about 10 years now. Um, I started my first YTT when I was, uh, I got laid off and, um, I got laid off on, on January 2nd and uh, the studio was having this like 30 and 30 challenge where you take 30 classes in 30 mm-hmm. days. Um, and that year, my New Year's theme was goals. So like every day I would do something to hit a goal. And mm-hmm. so I said, okay, well, my first goal will be do 30 classes in 30 days. I was a little bit of an overachiever. I did, I did 30 classes in 15 days. Oh, oh my god. god. <laughs> well, I was laid off. What else am I gonna do? Yeah, you're right. Two classes a day. It's not it's actually not that much if you've nothing it's else not to much, do. Yeah. But then I'm like, well, okay, if I can do 30 classes in 15 days, I can do 60 in 30 days. That'll be my next goal. <laughs> I, ended up doing, I ended up doing the next 30 classes in 10 days. So like I doubled that, right? And I'm oh, okay, now that 
And uh, I said, well, I have, I have, you know, I have five days left. Oh, if I do like five classes a day, I can make like 80 classes. And those classes were like an hour and 15 minutes. So that means I would make like a hundred classes, a hundred hours of yoga in January. So I said, okay, well, let's do that. And I'm doing like 81 classes in January. Did you, oh did you reach Samadhi by the end of that month? <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. And I, I quickly fell out of it. Yeah, just like for like a quick second and I fell out of it really quickly when I realized. <laughs> did you yeah. win a prize though? What did the studio do? No, like, nothing. I won uh, recognition. That's about it. <laughs> like, like a gold star on poster paper on the wall. <laughs> I, I, I receive a pat on the back. That's about it. <laughs> um, but then after that, the studio manager like, dude, we're, we're having a teacher training tomorrow just sign up for it <laughs> i go yeah i got nothing else to do i guess that'll be my goal next uh, next so i just sign up for the teacher training not really wanting to teach um but through oh, wow. teacher training i realized how much i enjoyed it and uh mm-hmm. i never stopped so what if you don't mind me asking what was your previous life's work in uh sales management okay. biotech right. you know stuff like that and right. you and um you you, you teach full-time or you like teach full-time you do okay yeah okay. yeah Nice. And you re- trainings, retreats, or cl- like all what's kind of the, all of it? <laughs> all of it. Yeah. Yeah. I teach, uh, I teach public classes, private classes, corporate classes. I teach for mm. uh, Pacific College. I teach um, four courses in their yoga studies program. Nice. Um, yeah. I just got back from the Sedona Yoga Festival teaching there. So nice. Yeah. Amazing. So, one of the things, well, besides, I have like two thoughts at once. Besides connecting with other teachers through that we've met through Jason, Because I think that automatically gives us kind of a common thread or bond. We're like, oh, if we all respect and are learning from the same person, we must have a lot in common. The other thing that drew us to you is that you really focus on functional range conditioning and mobility. And I was just noticing, because I was looking at your website, you have a lot of classes on your schedule that say like yoga and mobility. Yeah. I'd love to know the class description of that, what it looks like. And then if we could kind of explain mobility to our listeners and like what we really mean by that, because I think it's very complex. Sure. Yeah. Um, it's complex and there's always different uh, definitions for, yeah. for words, right? Like mm-hmm. I find that uh, whenever I hear two yoga teachers arguing over something, it's usually over a particular word and mm-hmm. they have different definitions of the same word or mm-hmm. the same definition for two different words. So yeah, defining words is important, I think, just yeah. to, you know, to, to set the context. Um, yeah, specifically for my schedule, if you see, if you hear like, if you see on my schedule, vinyasa or yoga or yoga for mobility, whatever the classes, like I don't really teach any different other than mm-hmm. the intensity of the class. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but the classes say yoga and mobility are the classes that I get to, to call my own and I call it yoga okay. and mobility. All the other classes just like that's just the this this specific studio's naming um, convention and I just follow that. Okay. Um, but what I teach in the class still comes from a biomechanics and mobility f- fundamental and foundation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you certified in kin stretch? No. Um, well, here's the thing about kin stretch. If you take the FRC, which is functional range conditioning. Yeah. I, I'm certified the- in FR- FRC. I didn't do the kin stretch. I got certified in FRC yeah. and I was like, I don't need to do the kin stretch because I can just incorporate the FRC into right. my yoga classes. Wait, can exactly. I, can I pause for a moment? I feel like we might have lin- listeners who are like, what does all of this mean? 
do either of you want to break down like what is fun- functional range conditioning for the complete newbie? Nam, you can go. I'm not. I'm not great at explaining it. Yeah. Well, um, FRC stands for functional range conditioning. It's a it's a system that was developed by um, a, a Canadian doctor of physical therapy. His name is Dr. Andreo Spina. Mm-hmm. Colloquial name uh, called Dr. Dre. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> you know, it, it's. I'm, I'm going to preface this with saying, like, like, if you talk to physical therapists or athletic trainers who know about FRC, they oftentimes have this uh, reaction of, yeah, we know all this stuff. We learned this in physical therapy school. We mm-hmm. learned this back in, like, you know, like kinesiology 101, right? But they're not angry or upset because this is the thing that's been around for a long time. They're angry and upset because this guy, Dr. Dre, was the first to actually develop a really digestible way of understanding the information. Right? And, and mm-hmm. up until recently, the only way that you would really get an in-depth um, look at this, is, this information is you spend a lot of money in, in going to academia and learning about it and yeah. like four years of, of education. And Dr. Dre kind of distilled all the important stuff into um, a pretty simple and digestible system that, you know, yoga teachers, physical, ther- um, um, uh, personal trainers, and and anybody else can really understand and, and grasp. Anyways, functional range conditioning um, relies on active range of motion, active mobility, learning how to um, control your joint range of motion, and the fundamental approach to functional range conditioning is being able to control each individual joints isolated from all the other joints so that you get to see your limitations or your strengths in that range of motion. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes when you do a range of motion, let's say you want to lift your arm overhead and flex your arm. If you have limited range of motion in flexion of the arm and reaching your arm overhead, you will unconsciously or subconsciously start to extend your spine and lean back to reach your arm mm-hmm. overhead. And you think that that is, you know, reaching your arm overhead. Mm-hmm. Um, but in functional range conditioning, you start to learn how to articulate each joint independently of the others so that you can really see what the true range of motion is in your body. And mm-hmm. that kind of stuff is called cars controlled mm-hmm. articular rotations, um, which helps you to start to really Define your range of motion, understanding um, the limitation of your range of motion, and then start to work on improving that range of motion versus mm-hmm. compensating with other joints mm-hmm. in the thing, right? And with yoga, we do so much of like complex and compound movements that we oftentimes do end up compensating for lack of range of motion in the joints. Um, so functionation is the the fundamentals of it. And the fundamentals of kin stretch, which is functional range conditioning's kind of answer to yoga or answer to yeah. Pilates, right? <laughs> it's like it's 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 kin stretch is like their group exercise program, mm-hmm. right? And kin stretch, you actually have to like pay a monthly licensing fee to be called kin stretch. 
Um, you still have to take the training, but really like if you understand functional range conditioning and the fundamentals there, mm-hmm. you can apply it into a yoga class, into a Pilates mm-hmm. class, into whatever other kind of class. And it's no different than a kin stretch. You're just not calling it kin stretch. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't, wouldn't you also say that as you, someone who's done Jason's training, that he does a lot of that engaging it in range? Well, I took my training before y'all did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah. different? Okay. It's different. So you know how like Jason um, has admitted this uh, himself. He says he's, he's, he's very slow at changing his mind about something, but when mm-hmm. he changes his mind, he's all for it, right? Yeah. Um, so I remember sitting in, in my training with Jason, um, and I asked him, hey, what do you think about FRC? What do you think about end mm-hmm. range? And he's like, eh, you know, I'm not that interested in it. And like, we just moved on. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. that's fine. I'm just still going to teach it. Uh, mm-hmm. Cause I've been like doing FRC and stuff um, before I took Jason's, Jason's training. Um, so I think like the year after I took my training, he started to like, I don't know, I guess you'd say see the light and now he's all, mm-hmm. all for it. But when I took his training, um, he was like, eh, not, not that interested in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that, that's kind of like a, yeah, that's it's really funny because I kind of had the opposite experiences, which is I heard about FRC, then I took Jason's training, and then from what I had heard about FRC, it seemed like he was incorporating a lot of that into the training. Yeah, totally. Which makes yeah, yeah. sense because it was after your, you know, two years after or whatever, mm-hmm. um, and then kind of seeing how those two worlds uh, collided. That's one of the reasons that I uh, started to take FRC, and for me, I was taking FRC because I was experiencing a lot of hip pain. And I was like, like I kept hurting myself in yoga over and over again. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I have this, uh, you know, flexibility, but a lot of, I have no strength in these, in this range. And someone's Mm -hmm. like, you should really look into FRC. And it's, um, it's been very, very eye-opening experience for me. So mm-hmm. I try to, when I, we talk about this a lot. We were talking about this a couple of weeks ago with our friend Margo. When I do it in class, like if I'm doing like a 90-90 kind of sequence that's not traditional asana, I'm very transparent with my class. And I'm like, hey, we're going to do some mobility work. This comes from FRC. Look it up. It may not be a like traditional asana, but it will benefit your practice. Well, uh, and people I don't tend know. to really like it. What? I, I, I've always what, done- G? I've done 90-90 way before FRC. I'm not going to credit FRC with 90-90. I know, but are you doing the... this this? What are you doing in 90-90? I know what you're 90-90. doing. You're like lifting the foot internally mm-hmm. and externally yeah. rotating, up, whatever. Yeah, I know. I mean, that that stuff is, is different. I don't know if they invented that, but I know just like deer pose can, can like be turned into more of a 90-90. And yeah. I've taught that a lot, but... Um, similar... I think it's more of what you're doing in that shape though. Yeah. So if you're like lifting the foot and telling them, you know, little cues of how to move mm. the joints, I get that that's more inspired by that, but yeah, you know, I mean, like specifically the 90, it's the, the 90, 90 itself, the pose itself has been around for a while. And even with yoga, people still do 90, 90 without calling it 90, 90, like mm-hmm. 90, 90 has been uh, a long time modification for pigeon pose. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right, because the ninety ninety, the front leg is in front leg pigeon, right? It's just the back leg is not straight back and extended. The back leg is just abducted out to the side and internally rotated. But 
the intention behind what you're doing in yoga is to modify pigeon versus the intention in FRC or kin stretch is to work on active range of motion versus mm-hmm. passive range of motion. Mm-hmm. Yes. So the 99 yeah. itself, the pose is, is the pose. We're just calling it a different things. Yeah. But the intention, the work behind is different. Mm-hmm. Well, you said something really interesting before. Well, both of you kind of touched on this is like in yoga, of course, we, we, as you're cultivating flexibility, you might have an increase in your range of motion, but something that was happening to me that you just said something about this Bradshaw, like I was getting injured in a lot of different poses of just like, I guess, overuse or repetitive stress or just continuous like uh, pulling at the attachment points, especially hamstring attachment injuries. And I have now still, I'm dealing with uh, rehabbing two torn glute meds and it's been such a pain in my butt, literally. (laughs) But something that that I realized at, as I was going through this, I was like, okay, yoga is not the answer to everything. Because I used to just put mm. all my faith in like yoga, yoga, yoga. So I started working with a personal trainer who had some fun- functional range conditioning knowledge. I don't think they've ever done a full-on FRC training. But I used to blow his mind because he would be like, oh my God, you're so flexible. Like, how do you do that? But then he would also be like, but can you hold that? And I'm like, no. Like, for example, you know, uh, hand to big toe pose. If you're just holding your big toe out in front of you, um, can you like in Ashtanga, release your hand and just hold your leg straight out in front of you, foot in line with your hip. And I'd be like, no, I could not do that. Like I needed the support of my hand. So we started working on with my personal trainer, we started working on building strength at my end range of motion so that I can use my muscles to kind of get into this shape and hold the shape and find stability around the joint in that shape to kind of counter act all of the, I guess, just passive lengthening that I was doing. Um, and I think this is something to like kind of dive into a little bit more. Cause I think it's very common for the yoga world, just to glorify flexibility, mm-hmm. flexibility, flexibility. Yeah. Um, I, I like to qualify that. Um, the first part you said in terms of like yoga glorifies flexibility and we're overstretching, we're like doing things too much in terms of like passive range of motion and, and, and flexibility and stretching. Um, there's this misconception that like if you have an injury, like your glute med injury or your hamstring attachment injury, like a yoga butt comes from overstretching. Mm-hmm. You have to understand from a biomechanic standpoint, um, your soft tissue, like muscles, tendons, ligaments, they're, they're tensile tissues, meaning the more that you put those tissues under tension, the stronger they get. Mm-hmm. So doing a hamstring curl is putting that hamstring under tension. Mm-hmm. Doing a hamstring stretch is also putting that hamstring under tension. Mm-hmm. You're putting force and load on that, te- on that hamstring, whether you're doing a hamstring curl or a hamstring stretch. So whether you're doing a curl or a stretch, you're still putting on the load and you're still going to strengthen the hamstring. Mm -hmm. So um, it might be inaccurate to think that in yoga, we are overstretching that stuff and that's why we're getting injured. 
-hmm. think it's a little more accurate to think about it from a standpoint of we're getting injured because we are underloading the tissue mm -hmm. versus overstretching the, the tissue. Mm -hmm. Right. So just an imbalance. It's an imbalance. Yeah. yeah. And so when we look at what you mentioned in terms of like, you know, can you hold in, in, in that full and range of motion in yoga, because we do glorify flexibility and end range of motion, that's called passive range of motion. Essentially passive range of motion can be defined as the ability to be moved into a range of motion. Mm -hmm. right? Whether that's gravity pushing into the range of motion or another yoga teacher, offering a yoga adjustment and pushing you into the range of motion, which I don't recommend, mm -hmm. or even um, you yourself grabbing onto your foot or a strap and mm -hmm. pulling yourself into that range of motion, that is passive range of motion. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of that in modern vinyasa. A ton of it, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's like all of uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yin, would, the yin is all passive range of motion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but then from a mobility standpoint, we look m more towards developing active range of motion and active range of motion can be defined as the ability to move into the range of motion mm -hmm. um, specifically the ability for that particular joints to move itself into the range of motion without external forces or external help getting it there All right so mm -hmm. if i wanted to flex my hip Passive range of motion would be me either using gravity to, you know, to push my body into my leg to flex my hip or me grabbing onto my big toe and lifting my leg up to flex my hip. Mm -hmm. Active range of motion would be me using my psoas, hip flexors, quadriceps, all the muscles that flex my hip to flex my hip without the help of external forces, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so what you get is when you work on active range of motion, you get full control within that range of motion. Mm -hmm. When you're going into passive range of motion, you don't really have as much muscular control of that range of motion, right? Mm -hmm. It's not a bad thing. It's not a good thing. When it becomes um, questionable is when you have a ton of passive range of motion and not a lot of active range of motion. Mm -hmm. So for instance, let's talk about, you know, hip flexion and uti tipadottanasana. If you're standing in mountain pose, right, tadasana, and you try to flex your hip and lift your leg up without any help, which is the active range of motion, and you're only able to lift your leg maybe like, you know, a foot forward, mm -hmm. right, which is your active range of motion, but you're able to grab your foot and lift your leg all the way up to so like your, your thighs next to your ear or your knees next yeah. to your ear. That is your passive range of motion well the delta the difference between that that those two ranges of motion that's a huge delta right mm -hmm. it's a huge difference mm -hmm. and within that delta within that uh, difference there's really no control over the joint mm -hmm. and that's where things can happen it's kind of like um in frc we have this um analogy that's like if you bought a car that can drive like 200 miles an hour but your steering and brakes stop working at 100 miles an hour Mm -hmm. <laughs> like you, you, you wouldn't want to go past that hundred miles an hour because there's no control. Exactly. But in yoga, we're like we're all about, yeah, let's go that 200 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like that analogy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's basically how I was. I literally got to a point where I remember I'd be sitting down at dinner just with one thigh on top of the other thigh cross-legged and I couldn't uncross my legs. I had to go to the bathroom. I could not uncross my legs because I just wore at my hip flexors and I would actually have to take my hands around my thigh and pick up my leg and put it back 
in its respective place. And I, that's when I was like, I need help. I don't know what I did to myself. (laughs) I need help. I was like struggling. I think I was like 30 at most when I had this experience, 29, 30, I was like, I need to change something about what I've been doing because it's, this, this is not normal. I'm supposed to feel better after, you know, you know, the amount of yoga I'm doing not like create, Mm -hmm. create more issues or whatever, but I I don't want to, I want to be careful about the way I'm talking about this because I don't want to position like a lot of yoga is like, this is dangerous and you're going to hurt yourself. I don't necessarily think that. I just know that I was doing things in extremes, to be honest. I was doing like Hanumanasana full splits between silks, no hands. Like I was not taking care of myself. There are pictures. There are pictures. (laughs) That's actually what happened to my hamstring. It wasn't just like a million Paschimottanasanas or Uttanasanas. It was like me hanging from silks, smiling. And (laughs) I would also, oh, sorry. You know, I would, you know, I've been teaching yoga for a while too. Like, I don't know, almost a decade as well. And I think that after you know, receiving some of this knowledge in terms of strengthening it at range, uh, learning a little more uh, through FRC, I started to actually be not like, oh my God, you're going to hurt yourself, but like more concerned about or aware uh, about what I was doing in in my teaching in a vinyasa class. Mm-hmm. Because when I started to incorporate just a little bit of this, um, you know, uh, the the this movement, this FRC movement, I realized how not strong a lot of students are in certain poses, including myself, including mm-hmm. myself, you know, that there was a lot of flexibility, but not a lot of strength in those ranges. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely think that that's an imbalance in in, in vinyasa. Yeah, um, I sometimes I feel guilty, but I don't about this in terms of like, you know how we we often talk about new students who come into class and they tend to look around the room and they see all these flexible people and, mm-hmm. and they feel bad about themselves because they can't get their head to the floor and mm-hmm. everybody else mm-hmm. is doing the thing, right? Um, what I love about incorporating mobility and FRC into it is that that shit doesn't matter anymore because everybody 100%. is struggling in class, right? So like the mm-hmm. new students are struggling. They look around the room and they see everybody else struggling into it. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's almost like the great equalizer. And yes. I kind of relish seeing everybody struggle like that because I'm like, yeah, this is, you know, this is what <laughs> new hard. students feel like. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You've been doing yoga for 10 years and you're able to like, just like hang out and, and pancake your, 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 your chest to the floor. But you know, doing this active range of motion, you're, you're, it's, it's humbling and you're seeing that, Hey, there's this, there's this, extra level of challenge that's happening and you're remembering what it's like to be a new student. Mm-hmm. That's right? a really and the new great students point. are like, Oh, everybody else is struggling too. I, I don't feel other. I don't feel like I'm less than yeah. because everybody else is struggling. Yeah. It's a true collective experience. Yeah. <laughs> what, so is the inspiration to start teaching the way you teach because you had that, um, FRC knowledge, or is it because of the imbalance that Bradshaw was kind of referring to? Uh, it's a little bit of both. Um, when I first started teaching, um, I met uh, this teacher. Her name is Jules Mitchell. Um, she's very much into biomechanics and mobility. Yeah. Um, I've ooh, heard... I got... 
I've heard, sorry, just, I've heard a couple of um, podcasts with Jules Mitchell um, on yoga land interviews. Mm-hmm. So if anyone yeah, yeah. She's been on Logan a couple times. Um, mm-hmm. She, she teaches out of Las Vegas, but um, I was lucky enough to meet her about a month after I started teaching. And um, she really influenced the way that I looked at yoga and the way I looked, I looked at mobility and, 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 and movement. Um, mm-hmm. So it really started from there. And I think had I not met Jules, I would have gone down the path of, yeah, let's stretch the shit out of everything, right? Mm-hmm. But when I met Jules, uh, she really taught me about biomechanics and how tissues work, tissue works and tissue adaptation and, and all this stuff. So it it steered me into this kind of path of, of how to teach yoga. Um, and from there, um, I learned about FRC. I learned about dynamic dynamic traction technique, which is resistance stretching. She's really, she's really big into that too. Um, so it's the understanding that working on range of motion and flexibility is not going to necessarily develop strength, mm-hmm. but working on strength and active range of motion will automatically give you more range of motion. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you're working on flexibility, you, you might, you may or may not get more flexible, but you're definitely not going to get any stronger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Working on strength and range of motion or active range of motion, you will get more flexible and you'll get more, you get, will get stronger. So it's like, well, yeah. why not do both and just work on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, when I, I, I did gymnastics when I was younger. So I think uh, like when I think about, athletes that have these skills i think of people like gymnasts where they you know they have a lot of flexibility and a lot of strength in in the in that in those ranges of flexibility i think mm-hmm. of like figure skaters divers uh olympic weightlifters yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah um so it, it yeah it's just it's something that i kind of come back to of like okay who are who are the athletes that actually have worked on having the range and also having the strength in that range. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, it's, 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 it's active range, not passive range. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you ever have students that are just like, no, <laughs> <laughs> like I just want to lay here. Sure. Or like, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's always the, the, those students like, yeah, no, this, this is not for me. I'll just, yeah, I'll, I'll just do the passive stuff. Thank you very much. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm like, okay, cool. If, if that's what you want, you know, you're here. You might as well just do what you want to do. We're going to do the stuff. If you like, you know, I always tell my students, like, number one, don't do shit that hurts. Yeah. Number two, like, you know, whatever I say and that you found find valuable, keep it and work with it and you know process it. If you don't find it valuable, then just leave it. Don't worry about it. It's not going to you know hurt mm-hmm. my ego or anything like that. But uh, you know, there's students who come in and they'll do their own thing in class. You know, when we're doing child pose or do mm-hmm. they'll be doing a headstand or whatever. You know, it's. it's Mm-hmm. It comes with teaching public classes, right? Yeah, Ain't that like, the truth. Yeah, it's yeah. not just the FRC stuff or the active range of motion stuff. It's just people, you know, people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, people doing weird shit. Yeah. Um, uh, what it? What is the way in which you incorporate the mobility, the uh, FRC into your classes? Is is it like a section of your class? Is it kind of woven throughout the entirety of your class? What is that? How have you incorporated it in terms of your sequencing? Yeah, it's it's woven throughout. Um, mm-hmm. So one of the great things I learned about J- uh, from Jason's training, well, yeah, one of like the many things that we've learned about yeah. Jason's training, right? <laughs> Number one is, um, although I did receive a lot of knowledge from Jason, what was even more valuable is how to process the knowledge information and disseminate it and teach the knowledge. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Not just like, here's all the information. It's it, like Jason was really good at teaching me like, okay, here's the information. And this is how to logically and clearly communicate that information. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Number two is um, the understanding that, you know, we don't have to be creative every single week. Every single class is not to be mm-hmm. a different class, right? You can, you can teach the same thing over a long period of time, right? Um, Jason gets away with teaching the same thing over a month, two month, three month period of time because he only, well, back then he only taught like two or three public classes. So it wasn't Mm -hmm. that big of a deal for us. We're teaching like 16 to 20 classes a week, teaching the same thing over a month period of time is like that, that becomes boring for us. Right. For the teacher. Yeah. Yeah. For the teacher. (laughs) So um, what I do is I take, I'm actually, I'm in, I'm in it right now. I'm taking like six to seven months to teach all about anatomy. I start from the feet working up my way up. So every mm-hmm. couple of weeks I move on to the next body part. So mm-hmm. I work on like, you know, the first week of January, I worked on the toes and I worked on the arches and I worked on the ankles and knees and hips, whatever it is. And as we go, as we go on. And so as I work on the feet, then I just work on teaching about the mobility of the feet and how to articulate the arches mm-hmm. throughout the class in all the poses, right? Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter what your pose looks like. It doesn't matter the aesthetic of the pose. What matters is can you do the pose while still articulating the feet in that joint? Mm -hmm. Can you still do the pose while finding space to mobilize your spine? Mm -hmm. And it's not just like holding warrior two and holding reverse warrior and extended side angle, right? Like I can parrot my teachers in teacher angle, you know, inhale warrior two, exhale extended side angle, inhale reverse warrior, all that stuff. But it's more like, Okay, can you do those poses and still be able to articulate your spine mm-hmm. or articulate your joint in a way that we've been doing this whole time? Mm-hmm. And it's less about about learning the alignment of the pose, and it's more about, hey, can I still do the thing that we're doing mm-hmm. while in the pose itself? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I love wanna, that. That's yeah, really, I love I'm like, that. I want to take your class. Are you practicing virtually or um, do you have classes that? I have classes on Yoga International. I think okay. I have like over a hundred classes on Yoga International, but I don't, I, 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 during the pandemic, I taught virtually, um, mm-hmm. but I, I really. We've gone back to like in it. life. Yeah. 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 Like I was teaching like, uh, like 21 classes before the pandemic. And yeah, then during the pandemic, crazy. I taught like seven virtual classes. And I was more exhausted teaching those seven classes mm-hmm. than I was teaching the 21 classes. Um, so I've, I've kind of stopped. Um, yeah. Some of my classes, public classes are like hybrids and you can still mm-hmm. take my classes online, uh, especially through pilgrimage of the hearts, but I don't do like exclusively, exclusively online. Yeah. Classes, yeah. Well, for anyone listening, <laughs> if you're curious, go to Nam's website and then look at his public schedule and then find the hybrid ones. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Nam, I have another question just because when we were practicing uh, in LA, we went to Dice's class. He was doing a lot of FRC, which I know there's a lot of people in LA that he was working with that in RFFC are not, not, but you know, in that world, let's yeah. say, and there seems to be kind of a big, big, uh, group or community of people in LA doing a lot of similar stuff. Is that the same in San Diego? No, there's there's less in San Diego. Um, mm-hmm. LA is definitely the hub for a lot of FRC. Just yeah. because, I mean, on the West Coast, LA is where all of the you know Instagram yoga mm-hmm. influencers are. Yeah. So of course that hub is gonna you know follow the 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 the, the influencers yeah. down here in San Diego. There's less of that. Um, mm-hmm. 
I can think of maybe like two teachers who've done the FRC training, but I, I really don't take their classes that often. So I don't know if they fully incorporate FRC or mobility into what they're teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even for me, I, I incorporate FRC into my, my classes, but I also incorporate a lot of other stuff. Um, so it's one of those things where um, LA is like, you know, the hip place to be to do all the new fandangled, new fad yoga stuff. Mm-hmm. San Diego is kind of like where, where um, there's still a lot more like traditional practices. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't really speak to that as much it, down here. It, would you say it's more of a, like, it, uh, are there corporate powers out there? Is it like a, vin- like vinyasa? Traditional bhakti? Yeah, there's, there's a little bit of everything. Yeah, there's a little yeah. bit of everything. I mean, you know, okay. there, there's core power, there's yoga six, there's mm-hmm. yoga box that just moved in. They, they have a ton mm-hmm. of places, but there's also a ton of like mom and pop studios. Yeah. Um, in mm. San Diego, it's, it's a good balance of all of it. So you can find mm-hmm. everything. What I love about the students that I teach at, um, especially, um, Pilgrims of the Heart is that there's such a diversity in students and, di- and a diversity yeah, in, in, um, interests that um, it challenges me as a teacher. Cause like every single class mm-hmm. that I teach, there's, you know, there's old students and new students and students of all ages and students of all practices and students of all bodies that, um, I can't just like teach vanilla yoga anymore. I yeah. really have to cater to it. And that's where the mobility and, and FRC and biomechanics training really is helpful because like I said, everything that I teach is like, well, everybody's going to be challenged with it mm-hmm. and you yeah. just learn how to modify. It's not even modifying. It's regressing or progressing the difficulty of the poses or of the things that you're doing um, mm-hmm. and allowing and teaching people to understand where they're at in their practice meeting themselves where they're at and not having to worry about whether they can touch their head to their knee or not. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I, Gianna and I talk about this a lot, but I've been uh, teaching at gyms for years and I've taught at a ton of yoga studios around Chicago. It's easier. I find easier to, t- to teach at a yoga studio because 95% of the people know what's going on. It's more challenging and a good challenge as a teacher for me personally, when I go to a gym setting, because there's more variety in terms of age, in terms of body, in terms of uh, experience. Mm-hmm. So I find it's much, in some ways it's more rewarding as a teacher and harder work to uh, teach to clientele where there's more diversity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in gyms, you kind of have, or students happen upon yoga who may not ever walk through studio doors. They're like, oh, this comes with my membership. Let me try it out for a day. So you, as a teacher, I feel like an added responsibility when I would teach at gym to like package my classes in a way where I would get returning you know, students or I'm like, mm-hmm. how can I like get the person who would never walk into a yoga room before to love it so much that they want to go to a studio and, and get more of this. Well, that's, that's why I feel like my approach or the way that Jason taught this approach in terms of like teaching a, a, an overall big pictures Mm-hmm. syllabus theme. right yeah. theme is that like you know you, you go to one class and and you realize oh you know he's talking about the the shoulders and last week he talked about you know the arms and next week he's going to talk about the neck so it's a progressive thing so the students don't okay well if i continue to show up i'm gonna actually learn something and i'm gonna get mm-hmm. something out of it versus 
coming up and getting random classes here and there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, you know, it's like people want to come back for the continuing education and, and the connecting of the dots versus, well, I don't know what I'm going to get every single week. Yeah. yeah. And I think that there's so much of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's so, at least in Chicago, you know, there's, there's just so much, uh, Things are just random. Like I, there's mm-hmm. a lot of, I think there's a major difference between being a teacher and being an instructor, mm-hmm. you know, so actually providing some kind of education, which is a major lesson that I turned from, learned from Jason, I've incorporated into my, t- into my uh, classes, which is also, I have way more uh, people coming back to my classes than I ever have because they're actually learning content. Mm-hmm. Compared yeah. to just coming and taking a, a random yoga class, because really anyone can do that, but actually providing some kind of educational value. Yeah, and I, I think there's there's value in both in terms of like being an educator or, you know, I I, I think of yoga teachers as as falling into two separate categories. One is, are you an educator? Are you looking at teaching something, mm-hmm. or are you looking at creating an experience for your student? Right, and I think mm-hmm. they're both valuable. Um, I think I heard one uh, uh, once someone said said like, you know, people will, will will appreciate what you teach them, but they'll remember how you made them feel. Hundred mm-hmm. percent, right? And so, ex- creating a uh, a space to for your students to have an experience and to feel something in their bodies and to feel something in their mind and their soul is just as valuable as teaching them something. And students will come back to both. It just requires a really good teacher and a really you know dedicated practitioner to offer that. Um, I'm just not the type of person that's like, let's get into our feelings and 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 chant yeah. and, home and, and you know and and hold hands and do this kind of stuff. I'm more like, hey, let's let's you know show up and and do some stuff and learn something and and get something done. But I think there's value in both. Yeah, that's a that's the that's the broy FRC in you. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but one of the biggest things that that I got from FRC Mobility and Jason is like like the way that I approach things and what I I tell my students is like, Hey, everybody, I don't teach yoga from a standpoint of safety. I don't want you to be safe in your yoga Mm. practice. And automatically people like, Whoa, what do you mean by that? You don't want me to be safe. And I'm like, well, listen, like whenever you're exploring your edges, whenever you're you're doing something, there's an inherent risk in doing the thing. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to tell you not to do something because you might blow out your knee. I'm not going to tell you to like keep your knee directly over your heel because you might, you know, you might injure otherwise, injure otherwise. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I approach yoga from a sense of skillfulness, not safety, Mm -hmm. be skillful, not safe. So that when they're doing something, they are aware of what they're doing versus just like doing it because they were told not to do it. Like mm-hmm. your foot on your inner knee in tree pose or never let your knee pass your toes in any mm-hmm. of the pose. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just teaching from a sense of safety versus, you know, if you're going to move your knee anywhere, then be aware of that and do it skillfully versus mm-hmm. doing it mm-hmm. from, from a sense of safety. Uh, and that educates the students to, to understand what they're doing, to have more body autonomy and, and personal mm-hmm. agency to choose what they want to do versus okay well i'm gonna do this pose this way because my teacher told me to because this mm-hmm. is like the aesthetic of the pose mm-hmm. yeah i love that the way you just described the skillfulness it's reminding me of a question i ask myself a lot and i think bracha and i briefly touched about touched upon this is like this underlying question of like what is the place of alignment in modern yoga practice 
Because as we know more and learn more, especially about biomechanics and movement, we obviously, or not we obviously, because I don't think this is obvious, but a lot of us who follow this, you know, these studies, we might update or change the way we were teaching. Just how you kind of told the story before of like Jason changing his mind. He's like, oh, I saw the light and I'm incorporating this new modality. So if you are kind of following new information and changing the way you teach, like what is the role of alignment? Like, does your foot have to be under your knee? And I know this is a huge, bigger question, but Bradshaw and I were saying this briefly and I I don't think it aired yet. It's in in a different episode, but we talk about like, at least my opinion, there being a spectrum of alignment where alignment does matter, but only to a degree. Like it can't be a total, like for example, and now I might be getting like really nuanced. For I'm example, like, do you have two more hours. I know. Do we have two more hours? I'll save my schedule. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> no, anyway, we'll save this conversation for, for another time. But I, I, do you believe that there's like a spectrum of alignment or do you just kind of throw alignment out the window? Uh, loaded question because yes and no. Okay. <laughs> right. Like if you're doing headstand, handstand, yeah, there's, there's a certain amount of alignment that, that should be observed. Considered. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. But like the, uh, but like if, if you are strong enough to do the pose, no movement is bad movement. Mm-hmm. No alignment is bad alignment. It's just the degree at which you're doing it. Mm-hmm. The degree at which the degree at which you are loading your body and the parts of your body in that particular pose, right? Mm-hmm. And the alignment only matters in relationship and context to how your tissues, your body, can tolerate the load that you're putting on it, mm-hmm. right? But yeah. like, let's just take like Warrior One for example. I, I'm sure like Jason had mentioned this like a, a, a several years ago. Um, Yoga Journal put out this article about yoga one uh, warrior one where like mm-hmm. they they asked like a ton of different teachers from a ton of different um uh traditions to like do yoga warrior one and see what it looks like and every single teacher whether it's an Ainga teacher a shanga teacher uh, uh on your side they did yoga like warrior one in completely different ways mm-hmm. right? so like w- like what is really the 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 spectrum of warrior one mm-hmm. i don't really care about alignment like there's, for me, there's no spectrum. You can do where you want, however you want to. Your knee can be like bent 90 degrees. Your knee can be completely straight for where you want. I don't really care. What I care more about is can you do the thing that we're, we're focusing on while you're doing where you want, right? Can, we, okay. can you still articulate your spine? Can you still feel freedom in your neck and in your shoulders mm-hmm. while doing where you want um, versus like, can you do where you want so hard that like you're stressing out and sweating and, and, and straightening out your shoulders? Yeah. I think that's a progressive line of thought. I think I, I know we're, we're getting to time and we want to tell our funny stories. I have one last question. So do you think that where this functional range sort of stuff and what you just described with alignment, is this like the future of where modern yoga is going or do you, can you see it progressing into something totally different? 
Well, I'd like to Brad see it progress this way. Me. Sorry, he's laughing at me so I'm bad. just like, okay, we only have five minutes, but let me ask you the hardest question. No, I'm sorry. I just feel like now we're getting to juicier. Yeah. Like, whatever. Sorry, no. I'd like to see it go this way, but you know, as with everything, the 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 longer things are evolving and progressing, the more it's going to branch out into other things. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like there are plenty of traditionists who will say, well, you know, like all this mobility stuff has no place in yoga, mm-hmm. right? You, you know, like traditional alignment is, is, is the be all end all. And mm-hmm. that's fine. Right. Mm-hmm. Ashtanga should be Ashtanga. Iyengar should be Iyengar. But like, you know, like when you like yoga asana first started, there was no Ashtanga, there was no Iyengar. Yeah. Right. And then they came about and then power yoga and then Kundalini. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I think, I think, there is a value in diversity in movement and diversity in offerings of mm-hmm. yoga in terms of asana wise. Um, but the key is to still be aware and, and be connected with the, the foundation of the teachings of yoga. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think the physical practice, the asana part can definitely change and evolve. And I hope that um, things move more towards this path not so mm-hmm. much because i want this path to be the only path but i want this path to be the path or i would hope that this path can be part of what balances out the asana mm-hmm. practice and i think that's a really that's a great point and a really great way of putting it and it was it and you put it in a really great way without <laughs> taking another two hours <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry it Hit these major well, I, I just think it's also end. so true. It's like you know, power yoga was created recently. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't like it wasn't like it was fifty years ago, eighty years ago. So a recent style of yoga, but it's considered a style of yoga. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So and so can can like all these different styles. You know, you can have a, like again another branch on the tree that is a vinyasa class that incorporates more mobility. We've we've mm-hmm. we've made exceptions for all of these these other things. Yeah. If, if goat yoga could be on there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then what's the one where like you have like ankle weights and 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 wrist weights? What's that called? That's just called uh, a Saturday night at my house. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, like people yeah, make skull. fun of that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. skull. People make yeah. fun of that. But like like I I. Actually, find value in it because with those weights, you're actually adding more load on your body. Yeah, which is strengthening your body, which is strengthening the end range. So um, it's actually it's a it's a great approach um, mm-hmm. in terms of like adding weights and, and more load. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Well, we love this conversation. I feel like we have to have you back to like go go even deeper. Yeah, I'd love to go. Back. Before we get into our funny stories, can you let our listeners know where they can find you? And if you have anything coming up that you want to promote, feel free to plug all of that. Uh, yeah, my Instagram is yoganam, really easy, yoganam. My website is yoganam.yoga. I call it the yoganam sandwich, yoganam.yoga. <laughs> um, let's see what's coming up. Um, I have a retreat in Iceland at the end of the year in October, which is going to be kind of fun. You can find that on my website. Uh, I teach in San Diego. You can find on my website, my schedule. Uh, and if you want to take classes from me, Yoga International. I, got, I have like about 100 classes and a couple of courses on Yoga International that you can uh, you can check out. Amazing. I I, Iceland it. sounds fun. I've never I know. I'm like, we should we go to Iceland? We'll do an in-person podcast. Okay, yeah. perfect, perfect. Yeah. Underneath the, uh, the, the Northern Lights. So are you guys ready for the funny thing about yoga? <laughs> Bradshaw, what is your funny thing this week? 
Well, I now that we're you know we were talking about we bring bringing up ninety ninety and doing FRC. I have a really good friend. Her name's Tracy, and she will take my class. And when we're doing, you're talking about those people that are just like, I'm not doing this. I think because we're so close and we're friends, like during class, she's like, I'm not going to do this. Just raises her hand and she's like, I'm not doing this. And I'm like, okay. And she goes, no, you don't have to do it if you want to. I'm like, it's okay, Tracy, you don't have to do it. But I just, I just think it's sometimes funny where there's students who are verbal about like not mm-hmm. doing something. They're just like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> yeah. They're like over it before they even try. Before they even try it. I'm like, you should try. They're like, ah, I'm, not, I'm good. I'm not going to do it. No that's, do like, it. that's like my son, like you try to make him eat something. I don't want it. I'm like you don't even try it. I don't want it. Give me <laughs> yeah, my exactly. mac and cheese. Exactly. Just closed Give off. Give me my mac and cheese. That and chicken tenders. Yep. Um, yeah. And G, what about you? What's your funny story? Okay. You guys made me think of this when we were talking about people who could just like shove their foot towards their head as they're, you know, standing upright. I was teaching at this place where it was very new. So we had to build up our clientele. And I started with very small classes, three, four people. This particular day, I had a professional Russian ballerina in my class and three people who have never done yoga before in their lives. And they came up to me. They all came together. They were like mother daughters and they came up to me. They were a little bit nervous to start. And it was like, okay, like I wasn't sure how many people are going to show up. I was like, if you want, you could set up right here, kind of like towards the back of the room. And it turns out that no one else showed up. So there was the three newer people in the back of the row. And then this professional Russian ballerina in the middle of the room in the front row. So there was like 20 feet between them. But essentially at this place I was working, we were not allowed to demo at all. And I follow the rules, whatever. So I like walk around and teach. But now this like ballerina became like the model for the students in the back row. And I'm teaching the class as I would, but this person improvised and added on so many different things that I was not teaching that the back row was just trying to copy. For example, if I was just teaching a half split, this this person in the front row took it into full splits, not only full splits, but the version where your arm is underneath your full split and like bound behind your back in a fold. And so I have this back row trying to get into full splits, completely like ooing, eyeing, screaming. They're looking so confused. I didn't know what to do. I was like, I, because this person was improvising so much, I just decided to pretend she's not there. And so I started teaching the class from behind her as like, she's, she's facing the mirrors, enjoying herself. So I just started teaching the class from behind her, ignored her the whole time. And then I started demoing and only teaching to the three people in the background. So it's like, like, what the heck am I going to do? Like I have, I know I'm supposed to teach to the midline, but there is like no midline and these people in the back row are probably never going to come back if I didn't do something. And then um, for some reason, ballerina comes up to me after and says, it's the best class ever. I was like, you, you did your own thing and I ignored you. <laughs> That's my funny story. It's the best class ever. I didn't do anything you told me to, but it was the best class ever. <laughs> it happens always. all the time. It's literally yeah. always that person. I was just like, why did you, yeah, okay. You literally did nothing when I taught. I know. So I can picture myself as like in the back row as if like if we were actually doing like a dance choreography class, I'd be just stumbling around while she's doing all the fancy stuff. That's how it, I would feel. Yeah. Uh huh. 
But anyway, so I know we kind of saved you for last. You kind of get the idea. What's your funny story? Yeah, I have a ton of them, but the the funniest one that I can remember happened pretty early in in my yoga experience is uh I was I was a student in class and um out of the corner of my eye I see this big bodybuilder walking in class with his mat and and his girlfriend and um he clearly has never done yoga before, but he's walking in pretty like kind of cocky, kind of strutting strutting in. He lays his mat down about two people to my right. And we started practicing and this was um I think this was in the stronger class. And I started hearing him grunting and groaning and sweating. And about 20 minutes in, um, in this very panicked voice, uh, I hear him going, y'all are fucking crazy. And I, and I look up and I see him like gather his mat. Not like, not neatly. He just like gathers up his mat. It's like draped over his arm, right? And he just like walks out of this, of, of this room, like sweating, like, you Crazy! Everyone in the started laughing. <laughs> Wait, did he ever come back? Uh, I know. I don't think he ever came back. I never saw. His girlfriend kept on coming back, but but uh, she was giggling too. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure they had this thing. They had this thing where like you should do the thing that I do, and 100%. you should, and then and then and like see which one's harder. And I think I think he found that that uh, hers was harder. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I had I, there was a guy a couple weeks ago, and he came with his girlfriend, and he just the entire time he did like a couple half sun salutations, then looked at me and was just hands on his hips, and he was just like, <laughs> like fifteen minutes, like fifteen or twenty minutes, just just being like, nope, yeah, not doing it. Not, not today. Not today. <laughs> There's so many stories like this, and it's reminding me of one that I'll save for next week. But I love when someone actually vocalizes what they're thinking, no matter. Yeah, well, that guy like... did. He said, fuck this, you're crazy. <laughs> no matter if it's like not necessarily the time or place, I'm like, that's real. That's yeah. real. <laughs> I, mean, I, honestly, I think it was the perfect time and the perfect place to vocalize that. Yeah, because, 100%. I mean, if you look at it, we, we are kind of crazy. Yeah. Some yes. of the things that we do. Yeah, and I feel that way every time I go take an Ashtanga class because I've been out of it so long. I'm like, oh God, people are still doing. This. I'm like, why are you? We have to jump back and jump through again. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nam, thank you so much for joining. We really appreciate it. We hope everyone follows you uh, on Instagram, and we hopefully you'll be back on the podcast. Thank you so awesome. much. Awesome, I love it. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. <sighs> I won't tell you that I love you, kiss or hug you, cause I'm bluffing with my muffin. I'm not lying with my something like that. It's the rap from Poker Face. Pa pa pa, Poker Face. Pa pa, Poker Face. Lady Gaga.